Hey folks, it's us, podcasting wonderkins John Bishop and Lucas Southworth. Although this is a podcast about cars, it is not age-appropriate for the target demographic of these films, as we usually end up talking about the reproductive organs of Lightning McQueen. Alright, now let's take a look under the hood. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. The foulest stench is in the air, the funk of forty thousand years, and grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of the cars. Yeah, the the, the thriller intro, but cars pun. Cars. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chats, the only podcast brave enough to ask the question, hey, what's up with cars? I'm Lucas Southworth. And I'm John Bishop. Hey, you actually said your name for once. Thank you. Uh, it's the spookiest you... thing to do. Oh, throw them off their rhythm. And I guess it sort of has since I've been talking about it. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, as you could tell from us reading the intro to Thriller, or I guess John reading the intro to Thriller, we're in the most spooktacular uh, time of year, folks. So we decided, you know what? Let's check in with the king of horror himself. I did Google to see if Stephen King had any nicknames, and one of them is the King of Horror, uh, to see how he might imagine cars coming alive. And boy, did we find some material there. And can I just say, that is such an appropriate nickname for Stephen King. Since it's his last name? The King of Horror. Yeah. It's, it's so appropriate because I can't think of anything scarier than this man being allowed to be a director. Yeah, as we'll get into with one of them, Stephen King's only directorial credit, he's more of a, he's a better writer uh, than director. See, I don't know about all that. I just know that he is not a good director. Or at least he wasn't when he made, oh, you know... I, I would say Maximum Overdrive because that's its name, but I want to think yeah. of something more terrible. But at the same time, like, what's more terrible than Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> maximum Overdrive, as you may have guessed, probably from the title or the description of the episode, is a movie we watched. It's very bad. I think I enjoyed it for its bad, and John just thought it was bad, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. But I did want to ask, John, do you have like much experience with Stephen King movies? Like, have you seen many of them? Not really. I've like caught a little bit here and there. I haven't actually seen Pet Cemetery, but I've seen like parts of it. I've I think I watched the It like TV special when mm -hmm. I was younger. 
other than that, not much really. What about like uh, Shawshank or Stand By Me? I have are... seen Shawshank. Yeah, those are, if you didn't know, based on Stephen King works, which is crazy. Uh, I, I remember that now, but yeah. I didn't uh, recall at that time just because I was really fixated on the horror aspect, which can we even call this movie a horror movie? Maximum Overdrive is an action movie, fully. Like, I I would give it, like, Thrasher, maybe. Yeah, I think when I, like, went and looked it up, it was described as a horror comedy, which, like, I guess, I guess, <laughs> you, <sighs> you could feasibly call it that. But I asked you that to reveal that Maximum Overdrive is the first Stephen King work I've ever consumed, including Shawshank Redemption, The Shining, It, Stand By Me. I've never seen or read any of them. You haven't so seen was, Shawshank Redemption? I have not seen Shawshank. I that's know. A, I, that's a very good film. It's famously so, yeah. But Oh, boy. We also watched another one. We watched Christine, which was pretty good. Uh, yeah, like, all things considered, uh, like, I've got my thing about how old movies shouldn't be held to the same standard necessarily, but, like, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, it, like... It was not, like, my favorite movie I've seen in a while, but, like, it held up. It was good. I was genuinely in suspense at moments, and it was, I don't know, a fun watch. I can only really think of one jump scare, and it worked for me. Oh, when it was under all the trash, yeah. It was, was either that good. or, like, a minute or two after where it's just like, oh, nope, the car's still alive. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of those moments where, oh, car's still alive. Uh, but... We should start talking about them, and lest we forget, which we often do when we just start talking about other movies, connecting them to Disney Pixar's cars. Mm, okay. Unfortunately, and we've uh, mentioned this to each other uh, real quick before recording, uh, the movie that we think is actually pretty good is unfortunately the one that is less connected to the Cars universe. Yeah, well, well I'll go ahead and say... Maximum Overdrive feels definitely like it could be much more easily connected to cars. And I think we can connect Christine to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but Maximum Overdrive is one of those where like, yeah, this is just cars. All right. And uh, just to throw out the credit where credit is due, whose idea was it for this episode? Caden sent us in uh, mm -hmm. Maximum Overdrive and we were already thinking about Christine. So we thought it would be a good combo episode to just do Stephen King mega spooktacular for Halloween. So thank you to Caden. As always, as always, thank you to Caden. As always, thank you, Caden. Yeah, even if you have nothing to do with the episode, thanks, thanks, Caden. You're pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, but yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. You know, <laughs> let's mm -hmm. talk about. Should we talk about Christine first? Since again, we feel like it's. We there's less to talk about. Sure, sure. Let's let's go let's go into it. Christine, what is Christine about? A uh, car that kills people. <laughs> okay, but but how does it kill people? Okay, so <laughs> Christine is a I think I looked it up nineteen fifty something Plymouth who just fifty seven. Yes, it's not, I think fifty seven. You're right, uh, but who was just as fully unexplained sentient and alive 
Now, by fully unexplained, what do you mean? Like, how does this movie start? Do we not see some sort of possession or anything? No. And I'll get into uh, why that's a little weird here in a second. But the movie opens with just Chris, a bunch of these same cars on an assembly line. Uh, and, and they're all Christine's... like the same make, model, and everything? Nothing different about them? For the most part, except Christine, much like an anime protagonist, stands out a bit due to the color of its paint. Not the hair color, but the metaphor worked. Because uh, all of them are like either white or unpainted, but Christine is bright red, baby. That's how you know it's devil car. Yeah, that was one thing that really stood out to me, is that this, this really old-fashioned manufacturing assembly line, and then, oh look, there's just one car, only one car, that no one's going to make an issue about that's red, bright red, and the rest of them are white. Yeah, because like it's not like it switches from white to red, or like you you can't justify it as like maybe they just switch to painting them red, and you don't see cars after it. No, all the cars in front of Christine are white, and all the cars past Christine are white, but Christine mm-hmm. is bright red. Which so that's strange. Like I don't know how assembly lines work, but I don't know. It seems like you would have to like throw some levers, stop the line. And like switch up the paints to make that happen and cause a delay in production and then switch it back, causing another delay in production. So it seems inefficient to me at the very least. From what I understand, there are pretty much two ways to approach it. Either you have like a custom area where you will paint cars to order or there will be like certain order numbers where it's, oh, we've got like this place has ordered five white and then this place is ordered five red and you just compile them in all and then you just oh we're gonna do all the white ones and then we're gonna do all the red ones so this wouldn't be weird if it were the first red car or the last red car yeah but it's the red car in the middle of a bunch of white cars yeah and then you they're still doing work on them because a guy like stops the line and like opens the hood to look at the engine and Christine doesn't like that, I guess, so she drops the hood on his hand. And you're thinking, well, maybe that's an accident. Uh, maybe the guy just didn't secure the hood very well. Maybe Christine's not alive yet. But then a guy gets in Christine to smoke a cigar, which, I don't know, seems like a weird thing to do at the car factory where you don't want large cigar ash like he knocks off. I mean, was which- he like on break or something? Not that I could tell. He just sort of got in with his big cigar and... Got a bunch of ash on the the seat, uh, and Christine didn't like that, and he just... It's not shown how Christine killed him, but they opened the door and he's dead. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So I, I asked that question because uh, you might think, okay, maybe they take breaks at different times, but what happens is the guy's hand gets chomped by Christine for seemingly no reason, so maybe she just didn't want that particular person to inspect her. Okay, that's strange. And then this man, just after the guy is brought away, this man just goes into the car for no reason to smoke his cigar and play the radio. And this is a car being manufactured to be sold immediately. And what this man does is he has a cigar, and Christine doesn't mind. He's clearly not on break because later on, everyone else goes on break. Uh, and, uh, this man just, 
he just flicks the cherry right into the seat. Yeah. Not like an ashtray, not out the window. No, he, he just has his his smoldering ash and he just drops it on the seat. So like the first guy gets bitten by the car for inspecting the car. I don't really get it, but okay. And the second guy just blatantly ignores his job and then defaces the car for no reason other than he doesn't want to expend any amount of time or effort to not get the ash in the car. So like that one, I guess I kind of get like if I were a car and someone just for no reason got inside of me while I was being built and then just burned my seats, I'd be pretty mad. And then later on, just to like really drive it home that this guy wasn't on break, everyone goes on break and that's when his body is discovered. Yeah, his body is discovered when everyone is on break, which is weird. Why would anyone? Whatever. Uh <laughs> There was but, a floor manager who was sticking around as everyone was going on break, and then he heard, oh, look, there's a radio playing. Wait a minute. Why is there a radio playing? Wait a minute. Why is there one car on? Oh, there's a dead body in this car. Well, guess we sell it anyway, because they did. And then it cuts 20 years into the future, yep. uh, where we meet, I guess, our protagonist, Arnie Cunningham, because he's like the main character. Maybe I Dennis is the main character. I, I think know. technically we meet first our antagonist. Bully or friend? Neither one of them's bully. There's know, there's jock and there's nerd. No, okay. I thought you were I wasn't sure if you were talking about the bully who gets viciously murdered by the car later. Uh oh, I would not call that man a bully. I would call that a thirty year old man pretending to be a high school student so that he can stab people. No, yeah, he's he's a uh, it's good that they expelled him. I think they expelled him. Uh, he's yep. still allowed at the football game. Bad choice. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we meet our two friends who are Dennis and Arnie. Arnie is just the nerdiest you can imagine. Dennis is his jock friend who has sort of taken him under his wing and protects him, sort of uh, tries to help him out through school. Dennis, like, I will say, overall, seems like a really good guy. Yeah, he's he's got some like classic, this movie was made at an earlier time issues, like, oh, he kind of is a bit of a womanizer in the like sense oh, yeah. of it's all about that pursuit, but he also genuinely cares about the women that he's interested in, so that's nice. And he's a protective guy without being overbearing. So, like, there are positives and negatives. Like, he's a product of his time, but he's not a monster about it. Yeah. But then there's, like, the weird thing where he's... I'm going to put air quotes around this that you can't see. Uh, sure. Punished for his jealousy. And that was weird, right? Where Dennis is punished for his jealousy? Yeah. Of Carr? Later? No, what are you talking of, about? Of, uh, is it Arnie? Yeah. Of Arnie having the new cute girl in school. Yeah. See, what happens is he asks this girl out and then she says, no, I've got a date. Uh, because he has an issue with just taking no as an answer. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, I don't want to make him sound all that bad. He he asks, why not? And then he lets it be after that. So, like, he's not a monster about it, but, like, respect it. Uh, yeah. And then... He's in the middle of a football game, and then he notices his old friend, who's been weirdly distant and super into his car recently, just making out with the girl that he asked out who said no. So while he's a 
receiver. He's supposed to catch the ball. And what he does is he stares too long at his friend making out with this girl. And as such, someone tackles him. And I don't know how this happens, but fractures his uh, calf, some ribs, and apparently uh, gives him severe whiplash. Yeah, the he the quote in the hospital later is, the doctor says if it had been another centimeter, I would have been paralyzed for life. Yeah, because he turned around too slowly. Yeah, I did want to, I did want to go into that scene specifically because. I don't know. Do you think Christine did that somehow? Her powers are very, very vague. I don't so. think so. I think that that was like, like I think for her to psychically affect people, they need to be inside of her. Yeah. And I don't even think Christine at that point would have been bothered by him. I don't. I think you're right. I don't think the magic car had anything to do with it. So we'll move past it. <laughs> but like John says has said both of these things. A, uh, Arnie almost got stabbed in school. It's fine. He The kid gets expelled and swears revenge on him, which will come up later. Uh, and then B, he gets this car from this incredibly creepy old man and starts fixing it up and starts to just sort of turn into Kaniki from Greece or any of the T-Birds, really, <laughs> gradually throughout the movie. Uh, as he goes from being like, I don't know, a fairly kind, meek nerd into just fully a caricature of a 1950s greaser. I don't know. He goes from being a kind, shy nerd to being a greaser to being like straight up Norman Bates. Oh, no, he goes fully insane and murderous at the end. We'll get there. But for now, he's just sort of transforming into Danny Zuko. I, I I can only name two of the T-Birds. I'm sorry. But yeah, the car is corrupting him. Uh, the car is very jealous. It's mm-hmm. treated as like a girlfriend almost. The girlfriend is even je- also jealous of the car, uh, yeah. which was a very funny scene to me. But then... Uh, after the girlfriend says, you got to get rid of the car. The car locks her in and starts to choke her. So that's pretty fun. See, here's the thing. Yeah. The car didn't even choke her. The car just made her choke. Stopped the burger on the way down. Yeah. It, it's, it's super unclear to me again, how that worked. Uh, cause like the car never like lifts anything else in the car or does anything. It just, Makes her start choking on a hamburger. See, there's that. But then there is an issue with later on, there is a kill inside the car that actually makes a little bit more sense where it's a part of the car just starts moving forward and crushes someone. No, yeah. There's a physical explanation for one of the kills. Yeah. Again, Christine has super ambiguous powers. And it could even be that she just started choking on the burger and Christine was like, ha, good timing. And she just locks the doors. But that's weird. Yeah, and they when the guy goes back to talk to the creepy old man, he's like, oh yeah, my brother had that car. He was a, a real piece of work. His daughter choked to death in it, and his wife killed herself in it, and then he killed himself in it. All through carbon monoxide poisoning. But the little girl, he said, specifically choked to death. So yeah. I guess, I think, yeah... 
it can just make people choke on food sometimes. She almost chokes. Guy saves her. They sort of break up, but not really. But then the bullies come and just bash the crap out of Christine. And then he blames his girlfriend for it, sort of. And then they're for sure donezo. Can we just... I just yeah. I gotta stop you right there. So they they take a bunch of sledgehammers and destroy Christine in a a right royal kind of way. One of the guys has that good old fashioned switchblade knife, cuts up the seats, and you don't see this, but you hear about it after the fact. Yeah, they do straight poop on the dashboard. There were there were four of them, meaning that the person who did that did that in front of three of his buds. <laughs> yeah, no notes that that happened. Uh, oh boy! But Kaniki Arnie uh, goes back and finds the car all beat up, and then for the first time, Christine sort of reveals herself to him as being sentient and alive, super powerful. Yeah, by fully like this car fully totaled, like the hood was ripped off of it, and the, the entire engine, frame is just decimated. Yeah, it is totaled. They, they make a point of saying it several times that it's not fixable. Uh, mm. But then Christine's is like, ah, it's cool, and fixes herself in some, like, I don't know, fairly impressive shots for the 80s. Oh, it was uh, gorgeous. I was extremely impressed. Yeah, uh, if I'd have to imagine, they just, like, reversed some footage, but I don't really mm-hmm. know how that works. Uh, I also want to point out that this scene was very clearly, like, an analog for sex. yeah. The car is the car is Arnie's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, before it happens, he like realizes she's healed herself a little bit, and then he gets out in front of the car and just starts like staring and says, "All right, show me." Yeah. And then she starts morphing in front of him, and then it's just very clearly, "Oh, this is when their relationship got sexual." Yeah, it's it's something. I'll say that much. But then the car starts hunting down and murdering the bullies in some, I don't know, again, pretty, like, well-done, suspenseful scenes where it murders the bullies. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite characters is the cop who comes in uh, and is investigating it. And from the get-go is like, man, this car, I'm freaked out by this car. That's something I want to mention, is everyone just hates this car, except for Arnie. Everyone cannot stand this car before it's revealed that it's a demonic murder car, Mm -hmm. which (laughs) I guess you could say, like, maybe they were feeling the dark energy from it or something. But it seems like people, A, before it's fixed up, are just like, ah, you'll never fix up. This car could never be cool. It's a it's just the worst car in the world. Uh, And then. His parents are like, you cannot park it in our driveway, even after after it's fixed up. After it's made gorgeous. Yeah, it's a beautiful car. Uh, the girlfriend's jealous of it. Dennis is freaked out by it. The parents, the bullies take it upon themselves to beat it up. Everyone hates this car so much before they know it's a murder car. Sometimes they make a little bit of sense. Like Dennis at first is just like, hey... This is a 20-year-old car with 100,000 miles on it, and it's decimated. Please do not spend an absurd amount of money on this car. No, yeah, a lot of it makes sense, but some of it 
doesn't like the cop coming in and immediately being like, this car is a little sus, and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the car murders a bunch of bullies. The cop thinks... It thinks it's Arnie, but also it's clear he's suspicious of the car itself, which is very good. Car murders the guy whose garage he's been keeping it in, and it's revealed at that point that Arnie has not been in the car for all of the other kills, because uh, it's been sort of ambiguous. Yeah, the reveal happens when you find out that, uh, well, it's when, uh, was it Daryl? Darnell. Darnell. He opens up the car door and it's empty. But like the reason you don't know that it's empty the entire time is because magically the windows are extremely tinted every time you see the car. No, <laughs> Whenever yeah, he's not in it. They fully did some work to make it not seeable, not see-inable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Yeah, then then Lee, the girlfriend, and Dennis are like, hey, we gotta do something about this car. They now are fully like, this car has corrupted our friend and murdered these people. Which, they're correct, but I still don't see how they've figured that out fully. Yeah, it's really just their friend slash boyfriend becomes a dick, and they're like, oh, it must be the car. Yeah, so they go... And set up a trap at the garage and say, we're going to crush it with this bulldozer. And it won't. We'll we'll be ready for it. But oops, it's ready for them because it was hiding under some trash like we mentioned earlier. But they still crush it with the bulldozer pretty well. It's revealed at this point, Arnie's been so corrupted that he is driving Christine and trying Mm -hmm. to kill them. Which turns out very bad idea on account of Christine. I don't know if we've mentioned this. Can just do some weird magic where she will repair herself at various uh, amounts of like recovery time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But she only does that to herself and very clearly not anyone around or inside of her. Yeah. And apparently when he was fixing up the car, Arnie didn't care too much about seat belts because the car or him or both try to ram the girlfriend and he flies out the windshield and just has a comically large shard of windshield in his chest and dies. <laughs> but they successfully squash the car really good. One thing we haven't mentioned is the car will play the radio, and it's A, always songs from the 50s, and B, thematically appropriate songs. Yeah, very uh, Bumblebee-esque, but uh, more, again, sexual. Sexual and spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, like It plays lots of love songs when Arnie's in the car, uh, it plays like a song that's like your mine when uh, it's trying to kill the girlfriend with the hamburger. When Dennis tries to get in, it, he says it plays a song that's like knock, but you can't get in. And when it's dying, the spookiest one is it plays like rock and roll will never die. <laughs> and like that was that genuinely like got me a little bit. I was like, oh, that was effective. Mm-hmm. But they crush it pretty good and then take it to a junkyard and cube it. And the cop is there and is like, hey, you all are heroes. You killed this car. I knew it was a demon car the whole time. Yeah, uh, that that ending was very much like, wait a minute. Everyone's just going to... Okay, so they find these people's dead friend and they're just going to assume, yeah, these kids who broke into this dump uh, did not kill their friend. They, in fact, tried to save him and crushed a demon vehicle. And that's just the official story we're going with. It is, in fact, the story they went with. 
And again, it's what happened. They're right. But, you know. Uh, but then at the end, it does the classic, oh, you think it's dead? It's starting to repair itself a little bit. They uh, even did a like a, a fake out first because you hear the radio, but it's just some guy with a boombox. Yeah, who is carrying it in the very 1980s way on his shoulder right next to his head, but it's playing a 1950s song. So, and like, then I don't he know, looks man. like disgusted with the people looking at him just casually not doing his job wandering around the junkyard blaring 50s hits an inch from his ear uh but yeah that's christine a little long-winded i'll admit but uh very good film the effects pretty great for its time uh yeah the car was fully engulfed in flames and driving around at some point that was oh that cool. was so spooky and i loved it yeah. Biggest complaint I would have to say is that, uh, it, like, if you watch CinemaSins, it's the Prometheus school of running away from things, where yeah. for some reason people wouldn't run in, like, areas that would prevent a car from killing them. They would run, I don't know, on the road in a straight line. And then there was one time where they, like, okay, we're going to explain this away. And a guy got into a corner where oh, look, Christine can't reach him because Christine can't fit. And then she just rammed in and smashed her sides. So that was cool. But for the most part, like, a lot of this could have been prevented by just being around concrete pillars. Yeah, that especially was prevalent in the last scene with the girlfriend, Lee. (laughs) They found a system for her to be protected by the bulldozer. And Dennis was fine constantly in the cockpit. That's not the word. Of the bulldozer. So just get in the bulldozer. Stop yep. running around and pinning yourself against walls and in the open. I get that she was safe, but I do not understand the idea of, okay, she's in danger. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this uh, bulldozer and I'm just going to get like the spikes. And I'm going to surround her with them. I'm going to mean- nearly stab her to death to protect her. It was weird, but I guess it worked. Now, I do want to, before we get into like, how did this happen? How does it cars, etc. I do want to say that I looked it up and in the book, why Christine is alive is that it's actually possessed by its former owner. Like the guy sacrificed, like purposely killed his wife and child to put his spirit in the car. But that is like very clearly not what happened in the movie. Because, again, it's alive in the factory. Mm -hmm. The second it's made, it's alive. So if we're going movie origin, I don't know that we mentioned this as an origin. Like, obviously it is. But uh, (laughs) then I think we can't say that it's the spirit possessing it, you know? So I think it's just a demon car. Yeah, just a demon car. It's just a straight up demon car. Uh, It's just a car that's alive for some reason. And... I think if we, the best way I can get to Cars is if it happened once, who's to say it didn't happen several times in this specific factory or with these parts or with whatever situation made Christine alive could be replicated, could like have already been replicated. And maybe Christine's a murder car, but the other cars aren't murder cars. They're just normal cars. I was thinking a little bit more direct. Uh-huh. The good old quote is that it's got the spirit of whoever was last in the car. 
Uh-huh. And very clearly, the way that Christine works is her power comes from like the life force of the person she chooses. Yeah, that's that was the other way I was going. Yeah. So like that would explain why the old man kills himself in the movie. And that would explain why this kid is just like maturing and aging in an insane rate. He goes from being like, see, one weird thing. He goes from being this really shy, awkward nerd who's like weirdly immature to being like a weird amount of actually more mature and like, and this is an upsetting way to put it, but like actually more cool because he becomes more relaxed, more confident. He starts like taking care of himself a lot more and he becomes more capable in a lot of ways. Like he becomes actually more adult it clearly is a problem and the way he does it is very unhealthy and all that, but like it clearly ages him in some way. And then in the end, even though Christine loves him, I guess she does end up getting him killed in a very obviously avoidable way. Yeah. I think going down that route, uh, we assume that Christine or any cars like Christine uh, just get someone trapped inside them, sucks on their life force forever, that becomes the squishy bit. Yeah? Hmm. Sounds close enough for me. Yeah, like, humans are farmed, put in cars immediately, the car takes control pretty much immediately, they've got it uh, down to a science at this point, uh, and that becomes the squishy bit for the car. And when the person dies, the car dies, I guess. Or maybe he just gets a new person. Didn't happen for Doc, so I can't think we can assume that. And this brings me to one thing that is interesting to me, and it's a way they explain aging, kind of. Sure. When we start off and we meet Christine, she has almost 100,000 miles on her. And then as she's being repaired and loved by this uh, kid, she loses mileage and becomes younger. And... That could be an explanation of how this works. Like, the squishy bit provides it with life force, and at a certain point, they just run out of life force and start aging again. Maybe that's how, like, Doc ends up being killed, is that all of these creatures and cars and whatnot are pretty much given sentience at the same point in time, but their ability to live and die depends on the squishy bit inside being alive. So when Doc loses his squishy bit, he's not dead, but he starts aging. So the big crash ended up killing his squishy bit, which is why he started aging from then on. You know? Yeah, I really dig that. It would explain why his friends are still alive Mm -hmm. and not him. Yeah. You know what? Sure. I like it. All right. Is it time so, uh, for... Uh, it's time for the rating. Uh, okay, yeah. So we do... I went back and checked how much fun we had theorizing about it and what the likelihood we think it is. Like hmm. how much it works for... Like how much of a stretch it is or isn't. All right. Watching the movie, I would say, was a seven for me. It's pretty good. Yes, but the theorizing for it was uh, pretty sparse. Yeah, I I mean, again, any property with a sentient car in it, we're just going to be like, eh, it comes cars. 
Mm-hmm. Fact, I like that we can explain aging in a way, but yeah, other than I like that, 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 it's not that connected. That's that did straight up bump it up a point or two, as well as the life force sucking explaining the the squishy bit in general. Mm-hmm. I would give it, I don't know, a four. Hmm. I'd say maybe a five, maybe a six. Cool. I'll put a six. <laughs> All right. Now let's rate the movie. How many cylinders? The movie I liked a lot. I'm not, I famously don't do your cylinders. I'll give it like an eight. Five cylinders. How many, whatever. Uh, likelihood wise, since we don't see it as at a, on a large scale, I have to knock it a few points since it seems super isolated. So I would give it, I don't know, a six. Okay, that's a six. And I'm going to go with a, I'm going to say a four. That's fair. Let's do the crazy truck movie now. All right. Imagine a world in which uh, the sky is green and trucks is kill people. That's sort of the long and short of it. There's a comet and it makes electronics and machines come alive and just hate people. They just like murdering folks. (laughs) Emilio Estevez is there. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And so is Lisa Simpson. Yeah, uh, Yeardley Smith. They they even make a joke about it. She tells a guy to eat her shorts. It's a mm-hmm. fun little, fun little Easter egg. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on the quote unquote plot of Maximum Overdrive. I mean, if you give me uh, forty seconds, I can do it. Okay, you're on the clock, starting now. There's a comet. The comet is. Uh, near our orbit it has a radioactive trail that uh, possesses electronics that makes them want to take over our world for some reason there's a corrupt businessman who only hires and then takes advantage of people on parole Uh, and then all the vehicles start killing people but for some reason it becomes mostly just trucks and then people blow up those trucks and all stay in a diner for a little bit and then after the diner they like try and gather their resources and head to a boat so they can go to an island without trucks Hey, you did it in 33. Pretty good, bud. Uh, One thing I do want to... A few things I want to highlight. One, my favorite moment of both movies uh, is when the the trucks just sort of have them trapped in this truck stop. One of them has the green goblin on the front of it for some reason. Like, not painted. Fool. You remember how John, like, an episode or two ago was like, how does the Joker get his Joker face on stuff? Fully, it's like a sculpted thing, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, they go and like rescue someone or something and run back into the the truck stop. And then the corrupt owner is like, hey, yeah, good job. And pulls out a full rocket launcher out of mm-hmm. nowhere and blows up one of the trucks. This is maybe 45 minutes into the movie. People have already been murdered by trucks. The trucks are already terrorizing him, and he just now is like, oh, wait, I own a rocket launcher, as well as a full armory of weaponry that they go on to go grab. So It's an incredible moment. <laughs> so we realize this when he's saving, uh, I want to say, Curtis and Connie. Yeah. Uh, and it's the the hero of the story, uh, I think Bill, ends yeah. up like trying to help these people. With the help of Brett. Yeah. And uh, love interest. Yep. They grab the people and they start running. And then all of a sudden, this 
crazy man just starts firing rockets right at these people so that he can barely miss and hit trucks behind them. And it's a it's a rocket launcher. And uh, the like the reveal is this man has, like Lucas said, an armory. And uh, it's been pointed out already. This man pretty much exclusively hires and takes advantage of people on parole yeah. for oftentimes crimes like the main character, armed robbery. Uh-huh. So this man has an armory yeah. and a bunch of convicts just uh-huh. all together for, like, the explanation is given by Bill of, uh, I bet he bought them all because that's the kind of man he is. That's the beginning and the end of the explanation of why this man has a rocket launcher, literally countless guns in the scene we spend in the basement armory grenades. They find, they use a grenade later. Mm -hmm. It's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Another thing I want to pull out that I, I think is super important to this is there's a moment where this weird mounted machine gun on a car comes up and beeps Morris code at them uh, to that's like, Oh, we're running out of gas. You got to fill us up and we won't murder you. And fully like enslaves them for a while to fill up the trucks so that they can, I don't know, continue their murderous rampages. And it's like a really bleak ending that I fully expected to be the end of the movie. Like they've enslaved the human race. And I think I'm correct in thinking that because in the original short story, Trucks, uh, that's where it ends. They've enslaved the human race and one of them has a vision of them like just enslaving humans and forcing them to churn out more and more trucks on assembly lines. (laughs) But no, they just sort of run away. (laughs) Uh, Go on a boat. There's a child who shoots... (laughs) Who just mercs a like McDonald's drive-through menu as uh, retribution for his dad getting murdered? That's another one of my favorite moments of the film. Yeah, <laughs> it starts saying humans are here. Humans are here. So the kid just like gets out of line, very slowly cocks his gun, then starts firing at it and says, "That's for my dad." And then Brett comes over and he's like, "I don't want this anymore." Hands her the gun. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Just two more of my favorite moments of the film. One, a kid gets fully run over by a steamroller. I know that's probably not a good thing to be one of my favorite moments of the film, but like I knew it was a bad film when I saw the Green Goblin truck. Uh but that confirmed like this is going to be a buck wild ride. Then also there's this montage of a kid riding on a bike through a neighborhood where he's seeing the the carnage caused by electronics coming alive. And it could be this really spooky atmospheric scene, very creepy, or it could be very much like very sad for him. But no, this it's playing a really heavy metal ACDC song in the background. ACDC is the entire soundtrack because it's Stephen King's favorite band. I looked that up. And so it just sort of comes off as like kind of cool. I got that feeling. Yeah, it's really weird. Oh, boy. Really quick. This will be relevant to the plot and to cars, I promise. Mm -hmm. But by far my favorite moment of the film is when they've escaped to the water on a non-motorized sailboat to go to Truck Free Island. 
<laughs> there's a title card that pops up that is just like, oh yeah, uh, it was aliens. And like two days from now, the Soviets blow it up with laser beams, like a UFO. Uh, that's it. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that's it. That's, that's how they explain the situation and resolve it in a single paragraph of on-screen yellow text. It's I don't just, know if I would say that's a full paragraph. Yeah, a sentence maybe. Maybe two. So uh, let's talk about how most of this movie doesn't make any sense and it's like in regard to its own rules. Yeah. All right. So the whole thing is that technology starts killing people, but uh-huh. it very much becomes just trucks. trucks. Just trucks. Even though like we'll see bits here and there of, oh, look, there are still other technologies that are controlled by this weird field. Like, for the most part, it's just trucks for some reason. Like, yeah. the tattletale McDonald's sign you mentioned. But, like, it's just the trucks trying to kill people. And, like, the one exception that's, like, really good at killing is that weird uh, army vehicle that's just got a gun attached to it. But at the same time, like, that that's just a, a gun on a small vehicle thing, I guess. So it's specifically vehicles. But, like, early on in the movie... Most of the kills were not done by trucks. No, yeah, you're very much right in saying it becomes just trucks. Because at the beginning, like an electronic carving knife almost cuts a waitress's arm off. Uh, An arcade machine electrocutes someone. A gas pump sprays gas into someone's eyes. And a lawnmower has clearly murdered someone. And there were several people who were dead clearly because... Of, like, their Walkmans, I guess? Yeah, oh, one of my other favorite kills is a guy just gets beamed in the head by a soda machine and just has the most massive soda wound you've ever seen. I don't think I need to explain this to anyone, but soda machines, like, they they drop things. Some of them have arms that, like, carefully, like, lower them. They're not like hydraulically hooked up to launch cans at hundreds of miles an hour to kill people. That's not a thing. Yeah, like no parts of the mechanics of that machine should have been able to do that. I also want to point out that the goblin truck, its eyes glow red a bunch of times. Like it's Mm -hmm. a toy. It's a toy truck. It's supposed to be a fun goblin, I guess. (laughs) But Apparently it has red lights in the eyes because they glow red every once in a while when it's feeling murderous. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that on your toy truck? Anyway. Why a goblin face? It's very clearly the Green Goblin too, isn't it? Uh, like, Marvel's the Green Goblin. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. But the most notable exception is that at no point in this movie... Does a car ever come alive? Which you you say that and like, well, maybe you just don't see cars because they're at a truck. No, uh, Connie and Curtis are driving a car and get nearly killed by a truck. And like the only effect on cars seems to be that their radios aren't working. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know we're just talking about the movie a lot, but it's a wild movie and there are just 
two other things I want to bring up that, and then we'll get into cars theorizing. One, this movie has a weird relationship with uh, bodily functions mm-hmm. and pooping and peeing specifically. Not even just pooping and peeing, poop and pee. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm glad you noticed this too. There's a scene where a guy's talking and he's actively pooping in the bathroom. The guy looks over at the stall at him while he's talking, even though it's been working fine without you doing that. The newlywed couple, Connie and Curtis, Connie's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And Curtis is like, oh, could I come watch? What? Stop! No! And then they go crawl through a sewer. The poop water splashes up on the guy. And the same guy who wanted to watch his wife pee was like, ooh, how's it taste? Stop, Curtis. Also, Curtis, as soon as he gets frightened by a vehicle, immediately says, I think I just loaded my pants. Yeah, he does also poop his pants. You're right. I forgot that, and I'm glad you also brought it up. It's It doesn't have anything to do with the theorizing. It's just so important, you know, that it's like a large percentage of the screen time is poop and pee stuff. Several times they travel via, like, sewer lines. Yeah. One more thing. I swear we'll talk about cars. There's a lovely scene where the waitress sort of snaps and just screams, you can't, we made you, about 15 times. That's just, one, I mean, I get it. The trucks have revolted. You can't, we made you. See, I really like how you emphasized it correctly the first time. Because in the movie, she puts the emphasis on the wrong word. Like, once or twice she gets it right. But for the most part, she says, we made you, as if the accusation is not, we made you. It's that the thing that's in question is, well, what if these trucks actually made us? Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. And like also, that's a weird theme throughout the entire movie. The first song is Who Made Who? Yeah. And like I get that that's like a religious thing, but at the same time... We made the vehicles. Like, that, that's yeah, it. We made the vehicles. We, like, we, we, we used them, them and they help us in a lot of ways, but that's not in question. We know we made them. Yeah, there's also a weird like undercurrent of like, how could this have happened? And one of them's like, I'm not sure it hasn't always been happening. I guess implying technology's taken over their lives, but like, no, the trucks haven't been murdering you. Whatever. And also, how would they define technology is absurd. Yeah, it's just sort of everything. Yeah. Everything except cars. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's anything with wires in it, I guess. Uh, we gotta talk about cars. So this one, I feel like it's said in the, the like I said, the last seconds of the film. Oh yeah, it's uh, aliens. The Russians blew up a UFO though, so we're cool. But like, the Russians blew up a UFO? More of them. <laughs> You've clearly, clearly this has devastated the human race. This one attack, just do it again. (laughs) Right? Yeah, but we we also know that those survivors are still survivors. (laughs) Yeah, we do know from that. Uh, And I think the big question for this uh, does come from the question from Liz. Uh, Both of our significant others are named Liz. They ask this question. Sometimes we forget to do the segment, but not this week. Uh, the big question Liz had while watching this was, so are individual aliens possessing these machines or is it like the aliens just brought the cars to life and are like, or the trucks to life 
and the trucks are just independently killing because they've been brought to life. Like, see, do the trucks have a mind? I guess in the movie, it's explained that very clearly Bill thinks, oh, they're a, a broom, which weird, weird way to put that. But yeah, it's, it oh, weird. the aliens are cleaning out the planet. It's Pacific Rim. Yeah. Uh, but the the way the technology acts does not say alien. It says, like, weird childish creatures that just learned English. Because one of the first things that happens is you see the cameo from Stephen King. Yeah. He's looking at an ATM, and the ATM just calls him an asshole. It's a pretty good cameo. So, like... That feels vindictive. That feels angry. That feels like they're getting their revenge. So I I think, yeah, the trucks were given a mind somehow. And as Liz put it in the second half of her question, if they've killed the humans, why not kill the aliens if they come? Um, a, a cause it difficult. Because <laughs> all the humans is dead. I mean... I think the aliens went too far, made trucks alive. Oops. <laughs> and they killed the humans. The aliens come like, sweet, new planet. Trucks like, no, it's our planet. Get out of here. And they kill the aliens, and then it's their planet. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. betrayed by their own creation. Yeah. And I do want to say, John, do you remember there's a scene with Connie and Curtis where they find a dead body and a... Brown rusty tow truck that's missing a headlight tries to murder I am them. so glad you mentioned it. <laughs> yes. Tow Mater's in this movie. Mater's straight up in it. It's a brown rusty tow truck. It's missing a headlight. Just like our good friend Tow Mater. It's, it's the brown rusty tow truck. And it's one of the first vehicles that just straight up, like, for no reason other than desire, wants to kill someone. <laughs> Which, you know... I think we've established pretty well. Why not Mater's first instincts? He may have mellowed out with ancient age, but I think right right at the top, he's got murder rage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mater's in it. Mater's in it. He's in it. So is the issue. I guess that means it's time to talk about uh, the connections between this and Cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think our best connection is probably the fact that Mater is in this movie. The fact that Mater's in it is probably our best A to B connection. I think just what I said, it, it will be my theory of aliens make trucks come alive. Eventually the cars come alive too, I guess. It's fine. Uh, they kill the humans. Aliens are like, sweet, here's a planet. Trucks are like, nah, it's our planet. Get out of here. And then it's cars and Mater's already there. All right, all right. So one thing that I did think about, you know, Tow Mater's in this movie. Yeah. Uh, we've got that theory that the manufacturer is people. Uh -huh. And we've clearly seen that these vehicles can make people do work for them. Yeah. Fully. We've also yeah. seen that the humans start to travel via underground poop tunnels. Yeah. So okay, yeah. Maybe that's the reason we never see the manufacturer or people in general is because this movie is a Pixar film and they don't want to show a bunch of people covered in poop and pee. Just wallowing in filth and their general, you know, enslavement. Mm-hmm. Wallowing so, in 
poop and poopy conditions. Yeah, I think that's three pretty straightforward lines we've drawn that don't need to be mutually exclusive. They all contribute to, yeah, maximum overdrive made cars happen. All right. Oops. Now, I will say here's my big reason why this doesn't work, and it's because the cars and the trucks, well, the trucks specifically, uh, stop being alive at some point. And also, they, like, the progression is that things become more and more specific and less just general. So it's, at first, all technology, and then it's mostly just trucks. And they get away via a boat, and the cars are never really an issue. Which leads me to believe that this struggles in the fact that clearly it's just trucks. We do see a plane flying itself at one point, I will say. It does crash into that uh, bus. Impressively so, like straight Mm -hmm. down, whatever. Uh, (laughs) But okay, I'll I'll explain it away. Don't worry, John. Okay. So the differences and waning and waxing of what is affected and what is not is because the comet is ever moving and the comet is what's causing it. But if they got the comet to just come down, be on Earth, maybe at somehow, like, I don't know, in the core of the Earth, it wouldn't really wane or wax. It would just affect everything. Now, this does sound like another property we've explored, and it is vampires, because they're also caused by a space object crashing to Earth. Uh-huh. And that wasn't intentional, but I did just think it and thought I should say it. That's usually how I talk, is I think things then think I should say them. Okay. See, normally I just start talking and then uh, think things as I go? No, yeah, that's probably more accurate for me, too. But <laughs> I'm not saying vampires is connected, because, like, how? But <laughs> I'm not saying it isn't. Fair enough. And uh, I think another way of looking at it is, as you said before, they could just try again. Like this was one UFO, maybe it's just another UFO comes and this one does not only trucks, but also boats and cars and the planes may have already been taken care of. Also, we see a UFO in cars and uh, Moon, not Moon Mater, UFM, Unidentified Flying Mater. Jeez, I hate that I know the titles of Mater Stall Tales. (laughs) And it's real buddy buddy with Mater, an old friend, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Maybe, you know what? There, maybe there weren't bodies on these aliens to begin with. We've said maybe it's a space disease before. Maybe the UFOs from uh, Unidentified Flying Mater caused it. Just mm-hmm. connect those two theories. Bada bing. We don't even need them to kill the aliens anymore. All of a sudden, bam, we, we got it. We're good. Yeah, we, we did it. Uh, and before we do our rating, I do want to do the... Uh, I haven't been doing a good job at naming the wiki quote lately, but I don't care that much. It's my segment of the day. Give me that of the day. Yeah. This week we're going over to imdb.com because that's basically a wiki. And also I want to say before I say this thing about Stephen King, it's also basically a wiki and like, you know, who knows if this is true, Uh, but I did find multiple sources for it. It's the first piece of trivia for Maximum Overdrive, and it says, 
Stephen King, being a former cocaine addict, later admitted he was coked out of his mind the whole time he was making this picture and often didn't know what he was doing. There's another one that says he later called it a moron movie. So, I don't know. Oh, there's one more. (laughs) Again, I don't know if these are true, so don't take my word for them. But it says, when asked why he hasn't directed a movie since Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King responded, just watch Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Which I know John didn't enjoy this movie much, but I will repeat the sentiment of, yeah, just watch Maximum Overdrive. I had a lot of fun. It's a dumb movie. God, it's dumb. I really wanted the goblin truck to come alive and like say something, but that's not the kind of movie it was, unfortunately. Let's do our ratings. All right. Uh, theorizing, like how fun it was to theorize. Uh, how fun it was to theorize, yeah. It was not that fun because it was a little too easy. I mean, Mater is in it. Yeah, it, but it was a little bit more fun than like Rubber for me. Because like Rubber just sort of gets us to the beginning of Cars. Yeah, This one connects like a bunch of different existing theories we already had. And, and has a main it. character in it. And Mater's in it. So yeah. I would give it like a seven. I, I, okay. I enjoyed this one, theorizing it. Fair enough. I will give it a five. That's fair enough. Likelihood, 10 out of 10. Our second 10 out of 10 of the thing. I don't know if 10. you're going to agree. Okay, Mater's in it. Mater's in it. Mater Straight is up, in it. Mater's in it. <laughs> so what, what can we do? And that's all things we're going to say this week. Uh, except for, for two the out of six cylinders. Oh, yeah. Not the how worst good, movie I've ever seen. Still a very bad movie. How good the movie is in general, like a two. How much I enjoyed watching it, like a five or a six. It's bad, but that's the point of watching it. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this was spooktacular enough for you. I don't know. Us talking wasn't spooky, but uh, movies are technically horror movies, so it's a Halloween episode. (laughs) If you want to get in contact with us, suggest ideas for Origins, like, that's how we do decide to do them. If you all express interest in us doing them, we're like, oh, we should do those. Uh, You can do so uh, at our email, which is thekachat at gmail.com, or uh, on our Twitter, which is at thekachat. You can either tweet at us or DM us also send us ideas for all of the different shows we do or just like general stuff. You just talk to us. We're so bored all the time because it's uh, quarantine. I have a weird energy right now. John talk, so I won't. Remember to float like a Cadillac and sting like a Beamer. Okay, that's an episode. <laughs> how spooky. Uh, how spooky. How spooky. <laughs>